How can we spiritually prepare for a new year? What does God really expect of us, and what is our part? As we transition to 2021, we are taking several weeks to pray online on Wednesday nights. In preparation for this, we'll use several Sundays to look at prayer in the book of Psalms. Today, we look at a familiar psalm, Psalm 119, to see which attitudes and actions can lead to a fruitful life. Let's join Sojourn and listen in. So we want to take some time and prepare for the coming new year, begin to be thinking about that. So I have a few handouts to help me do that. Let me think how to do this. Let's see. Who came from the farthest today? It might be Gavin, but we'll see here. How many come from farther than Illinois? Okay, Gavin, you got it, man. Here you go. Topical memory system, two verses a week for 30 weeks. What? Oh, is that? Okay, well, there you go. Catch. Yeah, all right. There we go. Yeah. All right. So uh, that's a gift we often give. Not really. I still have these old things in books, but really you can just get an app on your phone. All right. But anyway, it's uh, two verses a week for 30 weeks. Topical memory system. Navigators developed it. I never was a navigator, but uh, I think it's great. And it saturates you. They teach you how to think about scripture couple scriptures, you know, a week, so three on one, three days on one, three down the other, and uh, we have done it uh, in our family among various other people, very powerful for just rooting you in the word, right, establishing in the word, I'll mention that later, and then uh, what's, uh, how else do we get, got a book to give away here, Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life, how do we, can't think of anything, who's clever at this stuff, uh, oh, I know, who's the youngest here, is anybody younger than Oh, yeah, right. There we go, the baby. Uh, you, think, <laughs> you think she wants to start reading Don Whitney and Spiritual Disciplines? What do you think? Ashley, sure. Mom will read it to her. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Yeah. So uh, Don Whitney wrote, uh, similar to some other books, but classic Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life to build and strengthen. And I was kind of reviewing the book this morning one he talks about that's almost so other right now for our society is silence and solitude. Silent, you know what that is? Silence and solitude. Can you picture that even? Right? Yeah, yeah. Well, Amy lives alone. She can picture it. Yeah, yeah, Amy Anderson. But the, the rest of us are like, it's constant noise, right? And you got earbuds and you got all the other stuff. All right, so we're going to talk this morning about spiritual integrity in preparing for the three weeks of prayer and fasting as a mini-series between kind of the bridging of the New Testament, we covered uh, Ephesians and Luke this last semester, and this coming semester we'll be looking at what we call the former prophets, which are, uh, you might think of as the historical books, Joshua, Judges, Samuel, and Kings. We'll be walking through that this next semester, but kind of a mini-series in between. I can't go a whole year without the wisdom literature, so we're going to have a three-week mini-series out of Psalm 119, which is about how to pray, right? How to pray in different circumstances. And uh, it's interesting that the person in Psalm 119, some people read, oh, you know, it's just all about the word. I know I love the word. Okay, fine, fine. Actually not. We'll see this morning that it's about the word and relationship to the giver of the word. It's really both of those things are going on. The other thing we learn is that, uh, you know, if you're in your teens or 20s or even early 30s, the person who writes this is younger they're on the front end of their spiritual life, and so they have this desire to live this life of maturity, but they're still struggling. There's some admission of struggle, which we'll look at a little bit 
this week and a little bit next week. So as the new year approaches, we want to ask, how is my fruit? Right? We want God and his pleasure over our lives. We want to win with God. We want to have fruit. Uh, oh, got to acknowledge one more thing. So here we are on uh, work together. And uh, there are less of us here who recognize that. Some of that's the holidays, but some of that this year with COVID has been people are staying home so they can meet with their family units. And I just got to say hi to one family unit because I know they're, they're all gathered, Jeremy and Elisa. So we got the Hope Newland clan kind of gathered, so we're going to wave to them. Hi. All right. There we go. Yeah. Yeah, wave to them. There we go. So uh, we know they're there. there are probably others that are doing the same thing and uh, protecting uh, older members of the family, and that's good. See, so we should do that. Uh, but we want to look at our fruit and the results that God intends. How can that happen? So again, to prepare for the new year, we're going to fast and pray the first three Wednesdays, and then on Sundays, we'll be looking at Psalm 119. Now, before we look at this specific psalm, quick overview of the psalm. So this is kind of a brief five-minute mini-teaching, right? Here's the lecture. Here we go. So the overview, what are the psalms? Well, they're songs, but they're more than songs. Uh, Martin Luther, the, re- the reformer from the 1500s, 1400s, um, he said, they're a little Bible and a summary of the Old Testament. Kind of my last big, big, big project personally in, in Bible study is uh, when I get time sneaking in between other things is doing a theology of the Psalms, right? There's a huge amount of theology there. The theme of the Psalms is the kingdom of God or the rule of God. Psalms, James Mays says, I like this, Psalms are the praise, proclamation, and prayers of those who believe that the confession, the Lord reigns, is the most fundamental truth about life. I'll say that again, right? The Psalms are the praise, proclamation, and praise of those who believe that God rules is the most fundamental reality. If you believe that, then you praise him, you proclaim it, but you also live in some tension, right? Because not everybody believes it, and the whole world doesn't run under the rule of God yet. Now, God's rule is, interestingly, in Psalms, is not just for Israel and the covenant, but in Psalms especially, the Bible insists that God rules because he is the creator of all, and so all nations come under his rule, even those that do not acknowledge him, right? Finally, God's rule is challenged. In Psalms, both spiritual and human powers challenge the rule of God. You can read Psalm 2 to get a nuance of that. So because of that challenge, anybody who seeks to live in the kingdom of God is going to have a, a challenge, tension, and conflict. Right? Life, if you believe that God rules and you're trying to live that way, you're going to encounter opposition from various sources. So you'll see in Psalms, it's put the servants of God versus the enemies of God, the righteous versus the wicked, the poor and lowly versus the arrogant, right? And there's this conflict uh, between them. So doing the right thing can be hard. So how can I bear fruit for God this coming year? Well, let's read the first eight verses of uh, Psalm 119. And it will give me a little structure here. So Psalm 119, look at it. You've got a, it really is great. I know it's very old-fashioned, but it's really great to have a physical Bible. There's one thing that's really hard to do on your phone. It's take notes and, and underline and highlight, right? 
See, even my Hebrew Bible's a mess. You know what I mean? I got, you know, highlighting notes all over the place. Anyway, so, all right. So, uh, uh, in Psalm 119, if you can look at it kind of holistically, you'll see it's really long, longest chapter of the Bible, right? And you'll see that in the English Bible, what they'll do is like right before the first eight verses, they'll say Aleph. That's the Hebrew letter A, essentially, right, for our purposes, right? And you see Aleph, Beit, Gimel, Dalet, Hevav, Zion, Ketet, Yodkav, etc. Okay, so you got all these letters. Each where there's an Aleph in Hebrew, all eight verses start with Aleph. In Beit, all eight verses start with Beit, right, and et cetera, et cetera. So that is a way that they did poetry in Hebrew. And as C.S. Lewis says, it's interesting that the book that was destined to be translated in so many languages, the key feature of their poetry survives translation, right? Both acrostics and then, of course, parallelism, which you don't have to know Hebrew to recognize that the Old Testament is constantly saying this and then it restates it. says this and then restates it, right? That's, that's parallelism, right? And so you'll see that all over the place, right? That's how it's making its point. And so let's read the first eight verses just to get a vision. Then we'll do exegesis on the second eight verses, right? So the first, Aleph, let's just read it just to get a picture here, right? Blessed are they whose walk, ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are they who keep his statutes and seek him with all of their heart. They do nothing wrong. They walk in his ways. You've laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Oops. Right? Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I'll praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. So in uh, verse 1, and frequently through Psalm 119, he says, Blessed are they whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Law, yes, rules, but it's law. The idea is instruction, right? Torah. It's not just rules. It's instruction in how to live life, right? In other words, when the law in the biblical view here, the Old Testament view, it's wisdom in how we're designed and what leads to a blessed life. You might say it's the owner's manual, right? Okay. And verse two, the psalmist pictures someone who lives steadfastly seeking God, following God's instruction, walking in God's ways. So things like purity and honesty and generosity and thankfulness and kindness and, and blessed speech, right? It sounds great. But verse five, right away, we get a hint that all is not well. We said that there was evil in the world, right? And we mentioned the enemies outside us, but here the enemy is within, right? We're not steadfast. The rule, is, is, the rule of God is challenged in this case by opposition within us. So again, the psalmist is a young person. Uh, they have a heart for God, but they've been maybe shunned and insulted. We see elsewhere in the psalm and, and they, even within their own heart, there's opposition. So we talked in Ephesians about a theology of evil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Let me just explain to you in Psalm 119 what the world, the flesh, and the devil look like in an Old Testament picturing, okay? So here we go. The nations in Psalms are the world, right? They're the nations opposed to the rule of God. The flesh in, in the Psalms is the psalmist himself and the opposition he experiences in his own life 
to the rule of God. That's how flesh or sinful nature is expressed. And then demonic evil in the Psalms is expressed as either idolatry or Baal is mentioned, or the gods of the nations or the spiritual forces behind the nations. This is how you'll see the devil in Psalms. All right, so here we go. Now we're going to dive in. So here the problem is us in this particular part of the Psalm. So what's the solution? Our text for this morning, verses 9 to 16. Let's read it. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Cause me not to stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Now look at the deliberate patterning here. Notice verse 9, 11, 13, and 15. What do they have in common? Go ahead and look at them. Verse 9, every other verse, right? The odd number of verses. What do they have in common? What do you notice? How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Okay, what's the thread? The word, right? All these different ways of taking in the word of God, right? He lives according to the word of God. He hides it in his heart. He recounts it, repeats it to himself. He meditates, reflects on it, right? And then the verses in between have to do with prayer and attitudes, which we'll see in a moment. The first thing we see here, we need spiritual integrity. What leads to integrity, first of all, is the practice of consuming the word of God, right? Verse 9, living the word of God. The living of it is the goal. Memorizing the word, recounting, reviewing what he's memorized, meditating, reflecting on it every day, right? So here is the basic challenge. Those that I handed a topical memory system to, that's, they're specifically focused on memorization and meditation, right? But what, what the challenge here, I invite every one of you, but especially, I will say this, especially those that are in their teens and 20s, while the memory is a little more retentive, right, to do a huge amount of memory work. I know it's very old-fashioned. I know it's not, you know, everyone's got a, you know, a, a phone in their pocket that can, you know, boot up everything in a moment. So on. But there's something that happens when you begin, so the, you know, topical memory system, you got the 60 verses there, 30 weeks, two verses a week, chapters, right? The love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, the hope chapter, 1 Corinthians 15 and resurrection, the faith chapter, Hebrews 11, the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Sermon on the Mount in Luke chapter 6, you know, all, you know, Psalm 1, Psalm 19, maybe not all of Psalm 119, but you know, give it a shot, okay? Yeah, but, uh, you know, Micah 4, you know, all these classic chapters, right? And as you, uh, as you spend time memorizing those passages and then reflecting deeply on them, you will begin to get a handle on what the Bible teaches uh, beyond anything you could get in a class. I'm not against classes, right, for Bible college students, but it's just the way, when you begin to memorize it and sink it in your soul, 
And at first, you're going to be, it's going to feel like separate islands, right? But then as you're reflecting and you keep reading and you're reflecting and you're memorizing, you're beginning to connect the islands to one another and you're going to understand the word of God. So I urge you to memorize the word of God. And then he says, uh, verse 15, meditation, the deep reflection, the challenge there, Psalm 1 tells us that the person that will do this will be blessed in everything they do. That's what it says. Everything you do, right? Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. I think you've heard my cheesy joke, but it's true. Uh, with my little girls, when we would do this verse at night, I'd say, blessed is the little girl who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Got one room full of girls and you know what I mean, 10 kids. So yeah, get the picture. Anyway, so you're going through with different ones and you are blessed as you meditate day and night in the word of God. And so the promise there, the challenge that I'm inviting you to receive is to take at least five or 10 minutes a day and I use this just to warm up. Do you always waking up rejoicing in the Lord? No, me either, right? And so the meditation for me, usually immediately after shower and coffee, shave, shower and coffee, okay, for Kathy's sake. All right, so then as I'm drinking my coffee, right, it's like, here we go, and I'm just getting my soul started, just reflecting on, uh, you know, whatever's in my heart, right, and just beginning to Think about the word of God, and then it usually turns to prayer. But it's so crucial that it says in the Bible that if we'll do this, that you will be blessed in what you do, right? It's so powerful. So again, we noted the structure already. Every other one of these verses is, uh, is how to take in the word of God. So memorize deeply. Uh, one illustration from Heinrich Bietzer. Uh, probably Amy's the only other person who knows who he is. You know who he is? You don't know who he is? You've got his book on your shelf. I use your office. Okay, anyway. Uh, so German Bitzer was a, uh, Heinrich Bitzer was a German banker. And for the sake of uh, pastors and theological students, he edited a book called Light on the Path. And it's just a simple verse in Hebrew and Greek every day of the year. Now she knows what I'm talking about. Okay, right, okay. And, but he says this in his preface. I love this. The more a theologian detaches himself from the basic Hebrew and Greek text of Holy Scripture, the more he detaches himself from the source of real theology. He's talking like a German, but you know, you're talking about the Bible, right? And real theology is the foundation of a fruitful and blessed ministry. Yes, Heinrich, but not just pastors. Right? The, the basis of a fruitful Christian life is not what I say about the Bible, your pastor, right? It's the Bible. That's the fruit of your life, right? That's where you're going to find the fruit, where you're going to have the power, where you're going to know for yourself how it works out, right? And so as you are putting the word in your heart, then when I say something that's right, it will resonate in your spirit and you be like, yes, and you'll be strengthened in what you already know is true. And so we need to be this. This is how we get strong Christians, right? Real theology must be based on the Bible. Right now, many in the American church are losing this even while they sit in a good church. May it not be us. The first practice that leads to integrity is consuming God's word. There's another practice that leads to integrity in this passage, and that, of course, is prayer. And I'm especially going to focus on verse 10, which has captured me this week. The NIV puts it, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. Okay, that's all right. It lays out the battle. I'm going to make it a little clearer, but it, it, it lays out the battle, right? 
Doesn't seem fair, but you know, you're trying to obey God and things are hard, right? It doesn't seem fair, but it's true. That's the state of the fallen world. So the reality of the life that we live is to survive spiritually, you must seek God with all your heart. The lukewarm don't make it. That's what he says in Revelation. The battle we're in, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. But then, nothing less than utter hunger brings about the profound change. Holy desperation is the point of transformation, right? Holy desperation is the point of transformation. I seek you with all my heart. But then verse 10 expresses perfectly the balance of human responsibility and our profound need for God. I seek you with all my heart, and then the Hebrew al-Tushgeni is a he feel, so for a, there's a few Hebrew students here, it's the binyan of causation. In other words, I translate, the, translate it this way, cause me never to stray from your commands. I seek you with all my heart, my side. I've got to align my desires. I can't just be sitting around twiddling my thumbs. Right? I seek with all my heart. That's my side. But then God's side is, now cause me to not stray from your commands. I am doing my part, but Lord, I need you to work to cause me to not stray from your commands. Right? He's recognizing the fallen world he lives in. He's recognizing the, the distraction of his own sinful nature. So he's saying, Lord, I'm desperate Right, I seek you with all my heart, but I, it's not a religion merely of willpower. So he knows that that is not enough. Right, I seek with all my heart, but Lord, you cause me to not stray from your commands. He recognizes that there's just, there is a cussedness, a, a, a perversion in the human heart that can stray even after decades of following the Lord. So he says, Lord, cause me not to stray from your commands. So we have this beautiful balance. There's no room for spiritual passivity. I seek you with all my heart. I'm not just hanging out, right? That's not okay, right? Lord, I seek you with all my heart. I am desperate. Holy desperation is the point of transformation, but it's not human religion. So he says, so cause me not to stray from your commands, hallelujah. Dependent on his grace, hallelujah. Desperate, but dependent on the Lord. That's where transformation occurs. It's the place of transformation. So that's why in these next weeks, it's an invitation to deliberate and intentional renewal in the spiritual life. At the very time we could be tempted to slide, we're tired, a lot of snow, shoveling, right? No. Lord, that very moment, we're going to seek you and trust you for transformation. So the second practice that leads to integrity is prayer. Third practice that leads to integrity is actually, it's kind of affective. It's delight. Delight. So the parallelism is mixed here, right? Every other verse is about the word. Then the two even-numbered verses start out with prayer. But the last two even-numbered, 14 and 16, have to do with really attitude. Listen to him. Verse 14, I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. Think about that. We'll talk about it. And then verse 16, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Right? 
So, so now we're into not just prayer, but attitudes. Third practice that leads to integrity is delight. So this third one is kind of an attitude, a perspective. I rejoice in following your statutes as one delights in great riches. I am a father of 10 children with bills. I could really delight in great riches. Let's just be honest, okay? Like, can you imagine? I can hardly imagine no mortgage, no financial applications for, you know, financial aid for the kid's school, not having to do that, right? Uh, you know, high-level medical care instead of whatever, you know. <laughs> I mean, no bill. I mean, it's like, I almost can't imagine that, really. It's almost like you'd have to, you know, I don't know, I have to get some kind of therapy or something to manage it. I don't know. <laughs> wow, you know. That is how the psalmist sees God's law. He's like, wow! (laughs) He's trembling, right? Here's how I know now how to invest my life so it will matter. Wow! Here is how to build a marriage that leads to fruit and delight rather than fight and divorce. Here's how to do it. Here is how the, the keys to satisfaction now and fruit for eternity. So, so he delights in God's word because it's great riches. In verse 16, then he won't neglect it. He recognizes the riches he holds in his hands. Wow. It's a perspective, something you see. So the third practice that leads to integrity is that delight in truth. So spiritual integrity I'm going to consume, I'm going to consume, I'm going to consume the word of God. We're in different seasons. There, there's a season, I remember I was in a season where like I would read 10 chapters a day for like three or four, first three or four years I was a Christian. I was just trying to get, and I'd take notes, just trying to get a grasp on, this is huge, it's not a book, it's a library, right? What in the world is going on here, right? And I didn't understand about half of what I read, but I just, I'm going to keep doing it, right? Keep doing it. Then there's time to, to memorize and slow down and meditate. But my question to you is, how is God leading you to consume the word of God this year? What is God putting in your heart? We're wired differently. It's okay. You don't have to do exactly what I do, but find a way to fill yourself with truth where you know that your behavior does not match your desire. Lord, bring truth into my soul. Secondly, prayer, what is God leading you again? I hate it when people think of prayer and they go, oh, yeah, I feel guilty. No, no, we're talking about hanging out with God. So for some of you, you know, sometimes, I mean, this may be weird to you if it is. I don't know everyone's background. Don't sweat it, right? But sometimes I got, I learned how to pray while a college student. So I learned how to pray while being consistently sleep deprived, right? So I, so I will walk around in a room and talk out loud. I'm just, okay, I will. But it's just, it keeps me focused and it's kind of a habit from a college years. So, you know, a little coffee and a little walking around and I can stay awake. Okay, so that's me. So you don't have to do that, right? But there's other times when, I might just get by a river or wherever I can get, you know, to in cities, but do what I can. And I'm just going to be completely quiet. I might pray f- thoughts for four or five minutes just to get all the Kruger garbage out of my brain. And then just wait before God. 
You know, some of us, we can't listen to God because we got so much noise in our brain, right? So if that's you, go ahead, get quiet before the Lord, have a piece of paper next to you, and the things that distract you, write them down and say, Lord, I'll deal with it later. And then there's the next thing. Okay, write that down, deal with it later. And, and after maybe an hour or so, it depends, some of us, it'll take a long time, but uh, after an hour or so, finally, you know, all those other issues are to the side. And you begin to sense the heart of God. You begin to sense the peace of God. So prayer can look very different. There's a way of praying that makes you feel guilty. It's probably not how you should be praying right now. <laughs> but, but it's the idea is connecting to God. That's what it's about. Right? And then finally, that, that delight, that sheer delight. What is God speaking to you? The goal of all this is to set you up for a fruitful year. You won't be perfect, but a life with a year of no regrets, right? Not perfection, but no regrets. Like, Lord, I, I, I walked the path you put before me. That's our goal for you. Stand with me a moment. Let's just pray and consider before the Lord how he's leading you to invest your soul in this coming year. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, we are so thankful that you're very serious with us on the one hand. On the other hand, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. You just want to know us, and you want us to know you especially. And you want to release the rule of your kingdom, the rule of God, in our souls and our lives, and then spreading to those around us. So, Father, as we wait before you this morning, I'm praying that you will position each person under open heaven. Just the, just the resources of heaven through Jesus Christ are utterly open. There's no hindrance between us and you because Jesus died on the cross. There's nothing that you will hold back because you, Jesus paid the price so that all the resources of heaven could flow to the earth. And so, Father, we pray in Jesus' name right now, just open up our awareness of the flow of your Holy Spirit over our lives, O oh God, and that your desire to, to pour out every resource, every bit of creativity, the ideas, the strength, the finances, the relationships. We just play blessing, Lord, over those that are standing here, those that are listening online. We're praying, Lord, position each one for fruitfulness and harvest Bless in Jesus' name each one, O oh God. And Lord, we just we want to be aligned with you and we want to receive and take in your word so deeply. So I pray in Jesus' name, just be revealing to each one how to take in your word, how to receive your word, how to be under the overflow of the work of God through the power of the word of God and the relationship in prayer and the delight in you. Father, just pray, position us under that place of fruitfulness and joy. Hallelujah, Lord. Now, I'm just going to pause a moment, and I'm going to give you a chance to collect your thoughts and just ask the Lord in your own heart, wherever you are in this room or listening online, ask the Lord, Lord, what's my step? Okay, just put that step in your mind right now. Hold it before the Lord. Father, we're asking you would bless that step, whatever it is this year. Bless that. 
whether it's a way of taking in your word or prayer, or whatever it might be you're speaking, we ask that you would bless in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that there would be fruitfulness on those steps this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So in closing, we just say, may the love of God, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. Amen. We're dismissed. There will be people praying up here if you'd like to pray with someone. God bless you.